The number one seeds and number two seeds from each group advance. All the number three seeds yep. go to Europa. Yep. So then you take those eight teams and you split them into two groups of four based on, first off, how many points each one accumulated in the group stage. So that's, and that's how that goes. And then you, so you order them. You take the top four third place teams from the Champions League and they go into a pot with all the Europa League group winners. So those are 16 teams. Then you take all the Europa League second place teams, put them with the other four Champions League teams that fell in, and those are the other 16 teams, and those are the two sides that get drawn against each other. And then the only other real rule is, you in the first round, you cannot be drawn against a team from your group or from your uh, confederation. I think is the correct word. So like, so basically Spurs can't be drawn against Liverpool gotcha. because we're both from England and we can't be drawn against Besiktas because we were in the same group in Europa. So that that's automatically whatever happens. We can't be drawn against either one of those teams. Also, I guess we couldn't be drawn against Everton if we end up finishing second in the group. Um, and right now I, let me check and see where you guys fell. I think you guys are actually in the top half of the... Uh... No, I'm sorry, you're in the bottom half. You are in the bottom half, so you will get a... You will either get a top-seeded Champions League stage, uh, which would either be Olympiaco, Sporting, Bill Bowers, Zenit, or you'd get a Europa League group winner, besides us and Everton, assuming we, we win our group. Um... Right now, the four teams that would be guaranteed in there are Red Bull, Salzburg, uh, Dynamo, Moscow, Internazionale, and Fiorentina. And more to join later. Mm. It's not, It's not. especially in that first round, you could actually still get a very winnable set of legs. Um, it's, it's after. It's basically once you get into the quarterfinals that you could actually play a really good team again. Oh, yeah. But, I mean... I don't know. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I mean, just because I don't, I'm not going to claim to know and tell you anything about Salzburg mm-hmm. um, or even Fiorentina. I know that Inter, like, freaking sucks this year. Well, I heard, because somebody made the comment after the City match today, they basically made the comment that all of it, uh, all of Serie A is down this year. Like, all yes, of it. Totally down. There's no money in Italy. I mean, they've been losing players for the last few years everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no money down there. I mean, that's why freaking, uh, you know, Juventus is always on, like, the verge of a fire sale. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Italy kind of stinks. But, I mean, you know, maybe it's just because we're English fans and we have English teams. But, I mean, I, I'm personally, I mean, just about anybody that I walk into a matchup with, if I'm Liverpool, as a fan, I'm going to be somewhat confident that we can go win it. Right. Um, but that said, I, I I highly doubt that we end up winning Europa. True. <laughs> so somebody will be somebody will be like, how the hell did we lose to them? Yeah. I mean, you could. I mean, there there are still really good teams left in Europa. It's just will will you make it to that point? I mean, because that's I think I mean we lost to Benfica last year. Um, 
and Benfica were, I mean, Benfica ended up being the, the runners up, although apparently they, they're terrible this year. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, they were, they were Benfica. I know coefficient is a really random thing, but they were, they're the highest team in terms of coefficient to not advance to anything from the champions mm-hmm. league. I mean, they were fifth in coefficient out of the 32 champions league teams and they're gone. Mm. They're not even Europa. They're just gone. Well, yeah. I mean, they finished like fourth in their group. So yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's what it is, man. I mean, you personally, I think, um, well, here's the way I feel. If Liverpool were playing quality in the league Mm -hmm. and, you know, we just happened to get knocked out of a good group, which I mean, I, I still think, you know, I think Basel's a good team. Yeah. I don't think I still don't think they're anything great, but I think they're they're solid. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Madrid is right now probably your favorite. Yeah. Um, so you know, obviously, it was not what you would call an easy group for Liverpool. No. But um, so okay, so you you get not into Europa. I just I believe if we were sitting there challenging for top four, like if we were in fifth or even third or fourth or something. Yeah. I don't know how much stock I would put into wanting to go win Europa. Mm-hmm. But right now, I see that. I mean, unless we can totally flip our form like in January. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if Sturridge comes back and just is the magic elixir that fixes everything for mm-hmm. us and then stays healthy for more than three weeks. Yeah. I mean, I, I said the same thing in our NC, <laughs> in that same thread in the NC Spurs group. I said both ourselves – and Liverpool should both both try to go win Europa. Just I mean, go all in. It, it's probably this year. And look with the way United's playing. Yeah, I, I hate them, but United United's going to get back in the Champions League this year. Probably because I mean they're, they're kind of like Liverpool last year. I mean, there's nothing to distract them. Yeah, I mean, I mean those. I mean, it's official that, that those top those top three Champions League spots might be locked up now. Yeah, I mean they they just might be. Um, but uh, I just I think there's so much competition for that fourth spot, and we have just played so shittily. I mean, unless I mean, let's say unless we get to January and right before we start Europa, like we get on a freaking run and we entrench ourselves in that fourth spot, fighting for third. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I really right now I think that's going to be our best chance to get back in the Champions League is to go fucking win Europa. You and us both. You're you're exactly right. Oh, I hate my life. Ah, well, don't hate it too much on episode 32 of the all-new sports show, Wes Bradshaw. I'll tell you, it, I'm, I'm just, I'm glad that that the uh, the international break's coming up because oh. this guy needs an international yes, break. We both do. Uh, welcome to the all-new sports show, the podcast. I am Edward Green, joined as always by Wes Bradshaw, as well as producer Desmond McManus. We have a tremendous show for you here this week. Uh, as you may have heard a little bit, we are going to be talking Champions League uh, as well as a little bit of Europa. We'll also, of course, be hitting the Barclays Premier League. Uh, we'll also talk a little bit about NMLS final that took place this week and Landon Donovan. He is he was officially killed as of about 4:30 p.m. Sunday afternoon. Uh, it's it's he's dead. He's he's dead and buried. Uh, we'll also talk uh, college football as we review championship week and we preview bowl season. Uh, some big deals getting done within just the last hour in Major League Baseball. You know, people say, oh, do your podcast on Monday. That's when you should do it. No, do it on Wednesday. 
that's the day to do it, apparently. Because uh, we can we can talk about some big deals going down in MLB, including a blockbuster, potentially, between the Marlins and the Dodgers. Uh, we'll also talk about Time's Person of the Year. Uh, some other stories, of course, get you a very emotional watch and so raw. Oh, so emotional. So very emotional. That's it. It's done. It's over. <laughs> just, just like Landon Donovan. Yes. It's over. It's, he, he got gunned down just like they did. Uh, but <laughs> if you want to get up with us, you can on the social needs. Uh, you can get us on Twitter at All New Sports Show, at Wes Broad, Bradshaw, excuse me, 21, or at Edward Green. Also get us on Facebook, uh, All New Sports Show there. Instagram, our username is All New Sports Show. YouTube.com slash The All New Sports Show is our official YouTube channel. All New Sports Show at gmail.com is the email. And the mailing address is 1701 Sunset Avenue, Suite 201, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, 27804. Still time to send us some holiday treats if you'd like. Wes, let us start in the Barclays Premier League. Sure, we didn't lose. There you go. Hey, hey, and neither did we. It's a week of not losing. That's that's it's a, it's a week of nil-nil draws for our teams as this past Saturday. Liverpool played Sunderland to a nil-nil draw, and Tottenham Hotspur played Crystal Palace to a scoreless draw at White Hart Lane. Your other scores included another scoreless draw at the KC, where it was Hull City nil, West Brom nil. Uh, we can also featured QPR 2, Burnley nil, eliminating their win streak. Stoke 3, Arsenal 2. Some good news this weekend. Uh, Man City won Everton nil. And maybe the shock of the weekend, he's not getting sacked in the morning. Newcastle 2, Chelsea 1. Chelsea's first loss of the season. On Sunday, it was West Ham 3, Swansea 1, and Aston Villa 2, Leicester 1. And on Monday Night Football, the losing streak continues at St. Mary's. Southampton 1, Manchester United Two Wes, normally we start with our own teams, but because they were both scoreless draws, let's go to the match of the weekend. Simon. Oh, oh, but very deadly. Uh, Papis Sisse. Brace. He did it, Wes. He did it. Despite a DDA drug bug goal in the 83rd minute for Chelsea, it was not enough to climb back and level the Chelsea unbeaten streak to begin the season, ends at St. James Park. Alan Pardew continues his spell over Jose Mourinho. Wes, we even talked about last week. We said Chelsea were not going to lose in the league. They have lost in the league. Um, hold, hold on a minute, Ed. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. I'm sorry, I'm just doing my impersonation of uh, what uh, Josie accused the um, Newcastle ball boys of doing, which is just, you know, wasting time to waste time. Can we talk about those quotes saying saying the better team lost and the ball boys were taking too much time? I mean, I love Josie and I love those quotes, but come on, man up. Your side <laughs> lost. Come on. He's Josie. Um, there, was a, uh, there was a camera in the tunnel before the match. And it showed Josie leaning up against the wall all by himself. And there's uh, our one of our favorite people in the world, Roger Bennett. Oh, Roger. 
commented uh, he was having a he was having a conversation with his favorite Premier, Premier League manager himself. <laughs> That's right, himself. Um, you know, th- this is this is classic Josie. Josie never takes responsibility for losing. Um, you know, I mean, sometimes you just get outplayed. I watched most of that match. Chelsea were just outplayed. Uh, I mean, could they have won? Absolutely they could have. They still have so many weapons. They could have easily won it, but they didn't. They lost. Sucks. Deal with it and go on. Yeah, it's it's. You thought you kept thinking after the Drogba goal, Chelsea were gonna find a way to get level in those final minutes. Had chances. Yes, they did. Uh, Ivanovic had a header in the center of the box in stoppage time that yeah. really thought was gonna go in. John Terry also had a header. Um, Drogba had a header. It was. It's just one of those matches that you knew they were going to be tested. You knew they were going to have an off game against someone, maybe not top level, even though Newcastle's come on. But you knew this match was going to come, and now, now we see how they reacted. And if we we said Wes, if there was one thing that could derail this Chelsea season, it was Jose getting bored. And, and starting mind games amongst the team. And now all of a sudden, a, a squad that was running away with the Premier League title sits now just, I believe, three, three points, points. Three points. And there's a return trip. There'll be a return trip to uh, Stamford Bridge between City and City. I mean, City and Chelsea, excuse me. So this, this, is, a, this is title race on, Wes. Yeah, I still think that Chelsea... You know, Chelsea's still in the in the they call it the catbird seat. Chelsea's yes. still there. Chelsea's still your favorite by far. Um, but you know, it is funny because for all the doom and gloom that's been put around City this year, <laughs> I mean, when you look at it, they've got two losses, ten wins, and three draws in the league. Chelsea has one loss, three draws, and eleven wins in the league. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's it's three point difference. Um, I don't know. It just seems like. Seems like it hasn't been a great Man City year, mm-hmm. and maybe part of that has to do with the doom and gloom surrounding their Champions League, which uh, we'll get to a little later. <laughs> Shouldn't have too much doom and gloom at the moment, uh, but there is some doom and gloom around Kun Aguero, which of course we will get to in a couple of minutes when we talk about City. But um, for Chelsea, I just, I, I'm just, I'm still very confident in Chelsea mm-hmm. because I just see City having a few more slip ups than Chelsea will have. Yeah, probably. Um, I mean, Chelsea may lose another game this, this season, you know, there's no telling, but I just think Chelsea is still the most solid, um, most reliable team in the Premier League. Quickly, do we think Newcastle have a chance to keep, to keep this up? Currently sitting seventh in the Barclays Premier League table, uh, tied with Arsenal on points. Can, can they keep doing this? Or are we going to see an eventual regression from them? Oh, they'll have an eventual regression. That's just the Newcastle way. Um, and you know, Mike Ashley has Mike Ashley, the owner of Newcastle, has got to be absolutely loving that his team is playing so well because that will drive up uh, transfer fees in January <laughs> when, when they sell everyone. Yeah, where they sell, sell, sell. Oh, Jose said that's to say, look good. 
I will take him on to my side. We will play him with Loa Kremi from the bench. You, you do remember the last time they went uh, slumming down around Newcastle, they did come out with Dimbaba. Yeah. What's a, what is a Dimbaba, anyway? Dimbaba! Oh, the, man, the man who destroyed Liverpool's title chances last season. Dimbaba's. Oh. Well, Wes, speaking of Liverpool, let's talk about them at Anfield playing to a nil-nil draw against a dangerous Josie Altidore-led Sunderland, uh, despite the fact that he was subbed off in the 70th minute for Ricardo Alvarez. Um, another, uh, this time, hey, kept a clean sheet. No offensive punch, really, though. You do manage 15 shots on goal. Uh, or Sorry, 15 shots, two on goal. Didn't really dominate possession, though. And it's just, it's just another kind of. It, it's, it always seems to be one thing. Well, we got, we got the defense, and, uh, but we don't have the goals. We got the goals, but we don't have the defense to back it up. No, they, they don't have the goals. They have not had the goals ever since Sturridge went out. True, and that, that's been the problem. I mean, the defense. Here's the deal: the defense takes center stage when they when they mess up and you lose one nil. You know, oh God, well the defense blew it. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, the thing is, last year, I mean, the defense wasn't much better last year when we finished second. No. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, there, there's, there's, that tells you everything. The way Brendan Rodgers sets up and wants to play, we are never going to be the mid-2000s Josie Mourinho Chelsea where we're going to park the bus. We're not a team that's looking to play 1-0. Right. Liverpool is perfectly happy playing 3-1, 4-2. There's no problem with that. That's how Brendan sets that team up. And, and now therein lies the problem that Brendan continues to set the team up that way when he 100% does not have the horses to score the three or four goals necessary to win. Right. Um, Ricky Lambert is what we thought he was. He is a nice piece. I mean, you, you paid $5 million for the guy. He's a nice piece. Mm-hmm. But when you sell, and to me, I don't care, I'll say it, he's the best striker in the world, Luis Suarez, you sell him for 75 million pounds. And at this point, your big replacement is a 32-year-old um, you know, bargain basement guy that you got for 5 million pounds, basically on a hometown discount to come home to Liverpool. Um, a guy who was expected to be your third striker this year. Now suddenly he's having to lead the line, but that that's not what Ricky Lambert was brought in for. No, and that just shows the abysmal lack of depth up front for Liverpool. And you know it all comes down to the stir. It all comes down to the Sturridge injury. Um, Sterling has way too much put on his shoulders. It, it basically they look at him every game. And they're like, all right, man, you got to figure some way out to yes. score for us to win. He's still he's nineteen years old. He's very young. He's nineteen. As as skillful and as exciting as he is, he's nineteen, um, and he's not a natural twenty goal a year scorer. Mm-hmm. He needs last service. year. And, and the thing is, what makes him a goal scorer is when he gets that open space that mm-hmm. Sturridge and Suarez brought last year. Yes. Um, Liverpool has played some very attractive football this year. It was just before the first international break <laughs> when Roy Hodgson decided to tank our season for us. Um, you know, and, and we, you know, not to rub salt in the old wound, 
But the last great match you saw Liverpool play was against Tottenham. Yeah. Coincidentally, that was the last time Daniel Sturridge was in a Liverpool uniform. Yes. Uh, since then, his injury, the line has gone to crap. You know, um, you're you're having to play Stevie G near the top now, almost out of you know desperation and necessity, just to try to get something working up front. So basically, right now you've got a 32 year old striker, a 33, 34 year old um, number 10. <laughs> And a 19-year-old wing who you're relying on to do all the scoring for you. <laughs> and and that, that ain't going to work. No. Don't that forget ain't. about Balotelli. Yeah. Or did uh, you? <laughs> well, actually, uh, Balotelli right now out, quote, mm-hmm. injured slash uh, suspended. Yes. Um, I, I, I really, I've, got, I've gotten to a point that I'm going to be very surprised to see Balotelli in red come February. I don't disagree with you. Um, speaking of surprises, as someone who did not actually watch the match but is now just reading it a little bit, uh, were you a little surprised when uh, Gerard came on as a substitute that he replaced uh, Lalana in the lineup instead of maybe uh, someone like Lucas, who was actually on a card uh, at the time when Lalana was subbed off? Well, no, and the reason is because you want they brought in Gerard to push forward. If you take him out, if you take Lucas out, then you're having to play him deep. Okay, um, it, that that's just a whole tactical thing. And Lucas has actually, since being reinserted into the lineup, has maybe been along with Steven Gerard the two most steady midfielders that we have. That's not good once again for <laughs> us. Um, but you know, Lucas has been playing well. Uh, and Stevie G is playing a more advanced role. Lalana, Adam Lalana is a guy who, when he was brought in 25 million, he was not brought in to personally score a lot of goals. Mm-hmm. Adam Lalana was brought in because he is a fantastic passer of the ball. He picks out players ahead of him, and he's very good at getting the ball where it needs to be for players to score. Right now, nobody's scoring. True. And that's all it is. It's not that Lalana's not giving opportunities. Now, he has not been at his best, but it's not like he's not creating opportunities. There's just no one on the end of it. You know, you bring in Gerard, that gives you more of, a, of an, an actual straightforward goal-scoring option because Stevie G is more of a, uh, you know, he, he, he's he been a scorer, obviously, in his life. Right. For Lalana, not so much a scorer. So that's why you got the Stevie G for Lalana switch. Gotcha. One bad thing for to our listeners at home and anybody who listens to stuff like this, uh, you can always tell a season is starting to go down uh, when you when you hear someone refer to players and they always mention how much they were bought for. <laughs> that's that's usually a very bad sign. Yeah, it's not great. Um, it's not great. And unfortunately, a lot of guys for Liverpool this year who are not pulling their weight were were signed for good hefty amounts. Um, obviously right now for Liverpool, uh, the, the biggest mistake in the transfer market and people are pointing things out. Um, the biggest mistake was the fact that we did not insist that Divaka Rigi come straight to Liverpool. Um, now that said, you know, you, you'll get the Liverpool fans and I'm one of when people bring it up. Oh, we should, you know, I understand that the only way we were signing him was under the agreement that we loaned him back for a year. Mm-hmm. I understand that. Um, 
I'll just say hindsight being 2020, maybe we should have thrown something in there like, Hey, we'll give you 5 million to bring him immediately. Yes. <laughs> you know, if we need to in January or something like that. Um, and to be fair, again, if, if you had a healthy storage, you wouldn't probably truly need a Rigi. No. no, I mean, not at the moment. We, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, Strev, you know, they say one player doesn't make a team, and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But when, you know, when you're Liverpool suddenly and goals are at a premium and you have one of the best natural goal scorers, maybe the best natural British goal scorer of them all, um, and he's been injured for three months now, mm-hmm. and he's just sitting on the bench and you don't have another real score. Um, yeah, he, he wouldn't make a ton of difference. And just because, and you, you watch when it does eventually happen, um, maybe in 2016, 2017, when he's finally healthy again, um, when Sturridge is on the field, it will be a different looking Liverpool team. They will, they will suddenly be more explosive. I'm not saying we're going back to scoring four or five goals a game. Um, but you will have a Liverpool team that will be exponentially more dangerous and will really show more of a flair for attack. Certainly. Speaking uh, about a team that also did not show much flair for attack this weekend, Tottenham Hotspur at the lane draw nil-nil with Rebecca Lewis' Crystal Palace. Uh, A very uneven match that saw Spurs dominate possession, but in little else. And if not for a few key Hugo Lloris saves, could have found themselves on another losing effort at White Hart Lane. Oh, Wes, it feels like it feels like this is we, we keep coming back to the story. It's 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 Spurs not being able to play consistent, attractive football for any period of time. And that is the problem. Um, and, you know, it's it's kind of a different situation for Spurs than Liverpool. I say, you know, for Liverpool, you can you can almost point at it just being the Daniel Sturridge injury. Mm-hmm. Um, for Spurs, it just seems to go deeper because it's still just a lot of guys who have cost a good amount of money who, for whatever reason, are just not performing. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's tough because you, you see the flashes. I think that's the worst part. You see the flashes of Pochettino's system coming in. Uh, we saw it against Everton a lot, but, and, but you just have matches like this. Now, on the other hand, maybe this was also, you know, I think I believe this was their fifth match in ten days. Um, so maybe that is playing a little bit of it. We've hit this stretch of, you know, all these matches come holiday time, and it can get a little tough. You know, that's that 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 is something to take a look at. However, you should probably still, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but Jan Vertonghen might have said it best: Spurs are expected to be Crystal Palace at home. And I don't disagree with that, regardless of how Crystal Palace can look. And believe me, this Barclays Premier League season is kind of wide open. You guys went to Sellers Park, lost 3-1. This is a decent Crystal Palace side, but you still think Spurs should be able to get three points at home against them. I agree, even though that is um, that has turned into a tough team to break down. It is, it is. They're, they're, they're solid. They're solid, man. So. Yep. They're a side that they, they looked to park the bus, and they did a very good job of that, and they had a few very good opportunities on counters that were thankfully parried away by Lloris. But I just just not that's it that's Spurs' biggest problem is they're not bad at counterattacking. 
in a in the flow of game they're very good, but if they get a team that can just clamp down defensively, they're done. That's it. You're right. You're right. And uh, for Spurs, they've got to find. God, it's it's almost. You know, I'm just keep going back. You know where Liverpool's spark will come from when it eventually gets back. Mm-hmm. Spurs, just, they need to find the spark. And you know, Pochettino has tried. I mean, he's tried everyone. You know, for a while it was, uh, you know, Soldado score from open play. I mean, I understand that's a once-in-a-generation yeah. kind of thing. Maybe it'll uh, still be Harry Kane. Maybe he'll still continue to develop this season as a reliable player. I just – I hope they're not going to put too much pressure on Harry Kane. Yeah. Uh, which is a very England thing to do to English players. <laughs> yes. You know, oh, oh, God, he scored goals. We worship you, and now you'll, you know, fall apart and resent us forever. Um, Lamella is still an enigma wrapped up inside of you – know, however that old say. Yes. You know, yes. A riddle wrapped inside an enigma, I guess. Yes. Um, and of course, there's always the great uh, uh, Eddie Bayor, who is just who's gone, who's gone. He's he's dealing with personal issues back yeah. in Africa. Yeah. <laughs> Best of luck to you. I hope it's nothing serious. Take your time. Yeah. I mean, that's just and not to take lightly what may be going on with him. Yeah. But I can also see Adam Bauer being like, hey, you know what my personal issue is? This sucks, and I just want to go home for a while. True, very true. I can so see that being Adam Bauer. So, uh, um, now, for Spurs, of course, one thing coming up um, that uh, we all have to deal with this year, some more than others, African Cup of Nations. Mm-hmm. Going to be coming up in, uh, is that January or February? think so uh I, and I, I believe though that he is uh actually i guess uh bentaleb and Ch- not chadley uh-huh. yeah just uh just bentaleb and um Adamor. is that all you're yeah gonna yeah I, I believe so okay um for liverpool I, I don't know if he's going to play but uh colin's would be in that group and off the top of my head that's the only liverpool player i can think of that would be in african cup of nations um but that'd be something to keep your eye on. Um, but uh, but at about where it's it's not like right now you're depending on him at all. Right. So I don't really think that'll be too big of a loss for you. But Spurs, you know, and I, I've I've said it the whole time. You got to give Pochettino time to get the system in, and then get some players in as well. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I also completely understand it can be very frustrating. Mm-hmm. So hopefully he'll just be able to stay the course. And uh, build on the uh, vision that he has. Yeah. It's going to be uh, the Cup of Nations is going to be uh, basically mid-January to early February. Mm-hmm. And yeah, basically it's just for us, Adebayor and Bentaleb. Uh, if you want to drill down a little deeper, you can also have Benoit Essa Ekoto and uh, Bongani Kumalo, who would also be going. But they basically almost never get caught up to the, uh, the 18 uh, or the, the main side roster. So, well, well, I guess the the biggest guy in the league will be, uh, and that'll be one where you know Chelsea may be able to make some moves on City because, um, you know, of course Yaya Torre going, and uh, of course Chelsea going to lose their own number of guys, but some of those top clubs are going to have things to look at. uh, Arsenal, I believe, as well. So, 
Let's talk quickly about the St. Mary's Stadium, where Southampton has now lost another match to a top-flight team, this time losing 2-1 to at home against Manchester United. A brace for Robin Van Persie was centered around a Graziano Pelle strike that beat David De Gea, but it was not enough as, again, Southampton falls. And it seems like right as Southampton is in free fall, Manchester United West look like legitimate Champions League place team again. They do, and we said it kind of in the pre-show. They're finally get they're 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 Liverpool of a year ago. Mm-hmm. They have time. Uh, they have um, yeah. They have time off. They don't have that packed schedule where it's one game after another. Um, you know when things are going bad. Oh well, we're throwing something else at you in the middle of the week. Um, and for United, that's worked out well because, you know, I almost think the best thing for Louis Van Hall was not to have to worry about Europe this year. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> they they needed to bring that team together and position them for the future. And right now he's had the extra time to implement his system and do that. And that's that's making a world of difference right now for Manchester United. Um, we talked about earlier Liverpool. I'd love to see them now win Europa to go back to the Champions League. The best thing in the world that might have happened for Liverpool was to finish fourth and just be out of Europe. That that is a very good point, and it's something that these teams are just struggling with: is how hard do you go now in these European competitions? Obviously, something United's not going to have to worry about uh, until it looks like next season potentially. But yeah, I, I am I am scared now of Manchester United, which even a month ago I couldn't really say. Even we, even with Falcao being basically nothing this season. Oh, he's been crap. He I mean he is he's been nothing special, but you know, Van Percy's come back, Van Percy's playing well. Obviously Rooney's doing his Rooney thing. Um Di Maria gonna be out for a while with an injury, but mm-hmm. That offense is just humming along, and their defense, kind of unlike what Liverpool's done, their defense is doing just enough to make sure they're winning matches. Yes, just somehow with Patty McNair and Chris Smalling, they're still able to do it. I tell you what. And it helps when right now you may have the best keeper in the Premier League back there in De Gea. Yeah. I tell you what, though, one person who I'm glad, I'm sure they're glad they still have, Juan Mata. Yeah, you know this is somebody we talked a little bit in the at the beginning of the season. Once they got Di Maria, once they got Falcao, once they even got Blint a little bit, with all these players, we thought Mata would kind of be the odd man out, and here he is. He's still starting for this team and playing quality football. Well, you know, I mean, he's he's a great player. He was a great player at Chelsea, and he's a guy who, um, you know, they they always talk. You know, you always hear managers talking about, "I want competition. I want my guys to step up." Well, he's responded to the competition. And he's an elite worldwide player, and and he's shown it. Yeah. Uh, as we move on, you mentioned this earlier, uh, but it was Man City one Everton nil. A Yaya Torre penalty early on in the match was all the Etihad boys needed. But the bigger news from this match: Sergio Kuhn Aguero will be missing about four to six weeks after he was carted off with a knee injury early on in the match. And Wes, we, we, we'll talk about Champions League stuff a little bit uh, later on, but still a big 
big blow to City. This was this was basically their talisman. Him and Lampard were their talisman this year. And without Aguero, they may struggle moving forward. Um, he was the leading scorer right now in the Premier League goal-wise. He was the guy they could turn to, they could count on. He was their Suarez mm-hmm. of a year ago. Um, obviously, plenty of talent on that team. You would still expect them not to lose too much of a step just mm-hmm. because of all the other players they have out there. But <laughs> once again, we've said it, kind of like Liverpool, when you lose when you lose the tip of your spear, it can make the going a whole lot harder. Absolutely. I do want to give uh, a quick shout-out to uh, Jose Pozo. Uh, I believe the 18-year-old who came on in place of Aguero uh, for what was his first Premier League appearance. Uh, great job, man. Didn't score, didn't get on the board, had a couple shots, though, almost actually added a second goal for City later on in the match. Uh, and I am loath to give uh, players on City too much credit, but he came off in the 63rd minute and gave them 50-plus minutes of great work before being substituted off for Ed and Dzeko. Um, I mean, that's for, for a young kid like that, 18 years old, and obviously he didn't expect to come in, especially not at that point in the match, to just come on and put in yeoman's work. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of um, of uh, John Brooks and DeAndre Edlin a little bit in the uh, the World Cup this year for the USMNT, especially after the Altidore injury happened very early. For them to just come on right there in the match and do great things, and now for Pozo to do the same thing, I, I, I have to give him a lot of props. You do, and um, definitely, I mean, that's a kid. <clears throat> you know, all we ever hear about is how great the Man City youth setup is. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, they never promote youth. They just <laughs> buy players yes. all the time. But um, I, I've heard good things about the Pozo kid, and he'll be one to definitely keep an eye on going forward. Uh, I was I was a little off. This was actually his third uh, Premier League appearance for Manchester City, but this was <laughs> his first time actually playing in the first half. Uh, he was subbed on against Sunderland in the 82nd minute, and in the uh, Capital One Cup, he was subbed on in the 63rd minute against Sheffield Wednesday. This so is for real extended time. Yes, absolutely. Uh, as we take a look at the Barclays Premier League table right now, uh, Chelsea, again, still lead, but it's been reduced a little bit. 36 points through 15 matches. City now nipping at their heels a little bit with 33 points. Manchester United in third with 28. And currently in that fourth playoff spot, West Ham United, 27 points. Southampton now on the outside looking in in fifth place, 26 points. Arsenal and Newcastle level on points in sixth place with 23 apiece. At the bottom of your heart, the relegation zone. Crystal Palace, West Brom, and QPR all have 14 points. All are level just outside. And then Hull City, Steve Bruce might be in trouble. They're in 18th place with 13 points. Burnley in 19th with 12. And now Leicester, dead last, 10 points. Your Barclays Premier League schedule for this weekend looks like this. Uh, starting this Saturday at 10 a.m., it's Burnley, Southampton. Both teams looking desperately for a win. Chelsea look to rebound at Stamford Bridge against Hull City. Crystal Palace takes on Stoke. Leicester hosts Manchester City. Sunderland and West Ham clash at the 
uh, Stadium of Light. West Brom hosts Aston Villa. And Arsenal, somehow Arsenal always gets the 12.30 game on Saturday. I don't quite understand it. But they'll be hosting uh, Newcastle United. Well, that's actually a really good game. So. Oh, absolutely. Very, very important now. Sixth versus seventh. Both teams level on points. Uh, Sunday, Manchester United versus Liverpool. 8.30, Wes. And then at 11, uh, Goofy Sigurdsson uh, will take on his former club at home again, which is Tottenham Hotspur. And on Monday night football, Everton versus QPR at Goodison Park. Could be a bit of an interesting match, I think. All right, Wesley, let us let us go to, for the last time this year, they are the champions. It's the Champions League group stage, and it's it's done. It's oh. all done. I'm the last thing I have to worry about in my life. Uh, let's go through the group results from this final week of group stage play. Um, in Group A, Atletico Madrid goes through as the winner. Juventus goes through in second place. Olympiacos falls into Europa, and Malmo FF is out of competition altogether. Olympiacos. Darlings. Yes. Olympiacos gets a 4-2 win against Malmo, and Juve and Atletico play to a predictable nil-nil draw in Turin. And Wes, a group that was crazy early, leads some stability late, and it's a group that we both picked exactly right at the beginning of this thing. Well, some of us are just good, and that'll be you and me. <laughs> Absolutely. It won't continue. Oh, the rest is screwed, but we got this one. Yeah, yeah. We got this one right. All right, as we look to Group B, uh, Real Madrid wins the group. Basel FC finishes second with seven points. Real Madrid, 6-0. and oh. Good good, good for you guys. Uh, Liverpool finishes third, drops to Europa. And Ludogorets Rosgrad, I believe the true tournament darlings, finish fourth. Your matches from this week uh, were Liverpool 1, Basel 1, uh, Frederico Free. Uh, I'm sorry, Fabian Free. He's so free. In the 25th minute, open the scoring for Basel. Steven Gerrard, much as he did against Olympiacos almost 10 years ago, got uh, Liverpool level, but no more magic at Anfield that night as Basel prevails in the group. And on the other side, Real Madrid drums Ludogorets 4-0. Goals by Ronaldo, Bale, Arbilio, and Madron open I would scoring. say that uh, that Ronaldo guy, he'll be a pretty good player one day, I believe. Yeah, he's all right. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's coming around. He's he's pretty good. He's pretty good. Um, our our predictions were uh, for you. You had Liverpool winning the group, uh, Real finishing second, Basel finishing third. I had Real winning, Liverpool second, Basel finishing third. So at least we got the teams correct. Maybe just not the order. No, I missed this. So. <laughs> <laughs> No, that was bad. Mine, mine went with the heart and the, and the thought that Liverpool could still score goals this year. So, If you freeze frame it, you can see the exact moment his heart gets ripped out of his chest. Poor Ralph. Poor Ralph. I watched a lot of Simpsons tonight while I was, yeah. while I was waiting to do this podcast. Do you, do you, okay, quick tangent. Season six of The Simpsons. Holy shit. Oh my God, that was a great season. I believe like, you. I, I, I just I've literally watched them so much in syndication over the years that um they're all kind of a big blur to me. Like you know, I went to the FX Now app because I was like I want to watch the uh, 
the itchy and scratchy land episode. And so I had to look up where it was. I was like, oh, it was season six. And before I started, I was like looking through the rest of the episodes in season six. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is amazing. And I just I just kept watching. So it was it was it was great. Smashy, smashy. Uh, over in Group C, it was Monaco. Somehow, someway, Monaco comes through. The Principality wins the group. They finish with 11 points over Bear Leverkusen, who finished second with 10 points. Zenit, AVB, they are going into Europa. And Benfica, as we mentioned, went to Europa last year all the way to the finals. They are out of competition altogether. Your results from this week were Monaco 2, Zenit 0. Abed Noor with a goal in the 63rd minute was then followed by a Fabinho goal in the 89th. Benfica and Bayer Leverkusen played to a nil-nil draw in Lisbon. And Wes, this was a group, we talked about it last week, we thought Monaco needing just a result against Zenit to get into the knockout stage might just try to play for a draw. Instead, they went for the gut and took advantage of Zenit's uh, poor defense and go through as group winners. Um, it was, it was one of those groups where there were so many things that could happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monaco is kind of like the little engine that could, yeah. um, the, well, the little engine that spent a shitload of money a year ago to get into the champions league and then kind of tore the whole thing apart. Yes. <laughs> but now they're in the champions league. You figure they're going to fall on their faces and they win their group. It's, it's mysterious. Is all it's, it is. It's what it is. <laughs> this is it's, this is a team that gave they gave Benfica their only win of the group stage, and yet they also managed to beat uh, Leverkusen once. Uh, yeah, they actually beat Leverkusen twice. So that's how you get through as group winners. You beat you beat the German side twice. That'll get you through. Uh, group D. Uh, we had a tie at the top, but Borussia Dortmund goes through as group winners. Arsenal finished second. Uh, Anderlecht finished third. Galatasaray are fourth. They fall out of competition. Uh, and they go out rather ignominiously at home against Arsenal. They lose 4-1. Uh, Wesley Snyder had a goal in the 88th minute. But Lucas Podolski had a brace along with Aaron Ramsey for all the scoring Arsenal would need. Somehow, Alexis Sanchez didn't score. Huh, weird. And then over at Dortmund, it was Borussia 1, Anderlecht 1. Immobile had a goal in the 58th minute, but the lead was erased by Alexander Mitrovic in the 84th minute for Anderlecht. Uh, Dortmund. Hey, at least they're going through to the knockout stage, right, Jurgen Klopp? Well, the thing is, that's the group of teams who suck in the league and yeah. are good in the Champions League. Yeah, it's really weird. It's really <laughs> weird. Um, uh, it, it's a group that made no sense based on Dortmund being so crap in the Bundesliga, Arsenal being terrible. Even so, in the, sort of in the group, when they coughed up a 3-0 lead at home to Anderlecht, and yet both of them are going through. It's the wonderful world of European football. Oh, and Wes, nobody knows that better than Manchester City. (laughs) Houdini ain't got nothing on me. 
they somehow make it into the knockout phase. I, I still don't know how. Uh, Bayern Munich wins Group E with 15 points. Uh, City go through with 8 points in second. Roma go through in third with 5 points. Moscow also had 5 points, but they lose the tiebreaker. They fall out of competition. Your results keep laughing. It is pretty funny. Uh, Manchester City 2, Roma nil over in Rome. Samir Nasri opened the scoring for City in the 60th minute, and Pablo Zabaleta kissed the shield and capped it off in the 86th minute. Meanwhile, in Munich, it was Bayern 3, CSK Moscow nil. Thomas Müller scored a penalty in the 80th minute and was followed by goals in the 84th minute by Sebastian Rodet and Mario Goetze in the 90th minute. Wes, how the hell is City going through to the finals? This was a team who... As AS Roma cleverly pointed out after their match when they won at the Etihad, City have never won a match in Italy. Until now. <laughs> of course they haven't. <clears throat> because once again, when you expect Manchester City to excel, they fall on their faces. When you expect them to be dead, they rise like the Phoenix. It's it's. I do you do you know I mean can you, I feel like the it, the question is becoming cliche but mm -hmm. can anybody truly understand city at this point No city fans are tearing their own hair out they have no idea um it's just <clears throat> I mean you know what did what did Minnesota Vikings fans used to say eh, it's just Randy Moss being Randy Moss <laughs> What did Oakland athletic uh, athletic fans say? It's just Ricky being Ricky. Yeah. I mean, it's just City being City. It's it's, it's what they do. It's you know, they're they're past the past of that club is so screwy that it's mm -hmm. not funny. They've always found ways to epically blow things, um, or just downright stink for long periods of time. So you, you know, Ed, we talk a lot in our. Um, local sports scene about uh, uh, atmosphere and about, uh, oh, man, I, I've totally lost the word I was about to use, but I had one, uh, culture. Okay. Culture is the word I was going to use. You know, we talk about culture, telling so much about a program or about a team. The culture around Man City, yes, they have started winning over the last few years, but they are still the nouveau riche. They're new money. Um, they don't have that, you know, they're not like Manchester United under Sir Alex where they had 20 years of, hey, guess what? It's called Fergie time, and um, it doesn't matter what you do. We're going to beat you. Yep. <laughs> they don't have that cachet. They don't have the, quote, European Knights at Anfield. Mm -hmm. They don't have the, quote, um, you know, we always go to the knockout round of the Champions League like Arsenal does. Mm -hmm. They don't have those things in their back pocket. So it just seems like they're wild, wildly inconsistent and completely all over the board. you got to love young money. And uh, just <laughs> inter interesting to note, since going down 2-1 at home against Munich, against 10-man Munich no less, they have scored four straight goals, two by Sergio Aguero, and then two in Roma to advance. I mean, this was a team, if they lost that Munich match, they were basically dead. And they have risen from the ashes. Uh, going to Group F, Barcelona win the group. 15 points. PSG finish second. 
13 points. AX finished third with five points, and APOEL finished fourth. Uh, AX beats APOEL 4-0 in the last match of the group stage. And in the match to end all matches, PSG got ahead of Barca at Camp Nou uh, with a Zlatan goal in the 15th minute because he is Zlatan. He's so Ibra. <sighs> Ibrahimovic. And then, but then Barcelona responds as only Barcelona can with Messi in the 19th, Neymar in the 42nd, and just for good measure, Suarez in the 77th. And that, that's the holy trinity of Barcelona right now. It is. So I, I, w- I almost want to say I believe that's the uh, first time all three of them have scored in the same match. I and think uh, right. we said it's terrifying when they figure it all out and come together. I, I don't disagree with you. Um, by the way, did you hear the uh, – I'm trying to find it really, really – okay, yeah, here it is. Uh, this was uh, – did you hear the story about Zlatan's last words to Inter? When he, before you left them? Uh, no, I have not heard that one. Um, uh, Inter Milan's former owner has revealed the striker's final words to the club. It has been nice playing with you, but you won't win anything without me. Um, of course, this was as he went on to Barcelona uh, after he was sold there in the summer of 2009. <clears throat> and they won the Champions League. Yep. Yeah. A little, a little known man named Jose Mourinho got them to win the Champions League, Serie A, and Coppa Italia titles all in the same season right after Zlatan left. Well, that was before Zlatan really took over the world. Yes. Uh, I mean, he was he was right in a way because um, since that one, I don't think they've won crap. Yes. So he, he had a point made. He was off by just a year. <clears throat> and I want to say... Why do I want to say for some reason that he was he was almost like traded straight up to Barcelona? Obviously, there was money in there somewhere, but uh, for uh, Samuel Eto'o, I think you're right. I, I'm pretty sure you're right. I think I, 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 I'm sure it was Eto coming the other way. Yes, I just want to say it was very close to being just a straight up trade. It, it basically was, yeah. <clears throat> which, which of course, you never ever ever see in yes. soccer. Oh, fascinating stuff. Zlatan from only Zlatan. But again, Barca do win the group. They had to beat PSG to, adv- to advance as group winners, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, going to Group G, Chelsea advanced comfortably with 14 points. Schalke 04 finished second. Sporting CP out of Portugal finished third. And Maribor are eliminated. Chelsea beat Sporting CP at Stamford Bridge. 3-1, Cesc Fabregas had a penalty in the 8th minute and was joined by Andre Schurl on the scoreboard in the 16th and John Obi Mikel. Yes, the human clamp down, game over, park the bus, it's done. He scored in the 56th minute to truly end it. And uh, Schalke got a win against Maribor 1-0 in Maribor as Max Mayer scored in the 62nd minute. Uh, West Chelsea... Advancing comfortably as group winners, but like you said last time we talked Champions League, you're you're a little down on their uh, European potential to win the title. I am. I just. I just. I'm not feeling it like I was. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> of course, you know, about two months ago, I was as high on Chelsea as I think I could be. Um, 
And maybe it's just kind of a mid-season lull for them, and they'll pop back up. Uh, I mean, I still think they're one of they're they're the best English team still left, without a doubt. Um, that doesn't say a lot with City and uh, Arsenal, but still, um, I could still see them going very deep, and I would not be shot if they got into the final and won it. But I just don't have that overwhelming feeling that I did. Very good points. Uh, as we go to the final group now, Group H, uh, Porto is your group winner. Shakhtar Donetsk, they advance as well. Athletic Bilbao regroups enough to finish third. And BATE Borisov, no more no more master jokes. They are eliminated from competition. Uh, your matches were Porto 1, Shakhtar 1, and Bilbao beating Borisov 2-0. San Jose and Suseta all scoring for Bilbao. That's right, Bilbao beat Borisov. They beat him right off, Wes. <laughs> well, they beat him right uh, off the competition. And, you know, um, I just think uh, the Masters at BAT, they, uh, they may have prematurely uh, blown their wad, mm-hmm. and now they found, they, uh, found a sticky situation uh, in their hands. It's a little um, raw now. It's a little raw. They're now. they're out of they are out of Europe, Ed, and now they've got to figure out what their next move is. Um, after be being beaten up, beaten down, and beaten off. It's it's a little raw. It's just a little raw. It's raw. It's raw. Moving on. Thank God, I'm out of jokes. Oh goodness. Uh, Group C in Europa League will be coming to an end, and it already has probably by the time you have listened to this. Um, uh, The group is currently led by Tottenham Hotspur, who just need a result against Besiktas this Thursday in Istanbul to secure advancement as group winner from Europa the other European side in the competition right now, as they will be joined by Liverpool. But Everton also lead their group and have won it, regardless of their final match against Krasnodar, which will be taking place at Goodison Park. Can uh, can we just rename uh, Europa the other white meat? <laughs> sure. Why not? There we go. Uh, and in case you're wondering, uh, the rankings of the third-place Champions League teams who will be going into Europa. Uh, the following four teams will be seeded as the top four uh, Olympiacos, Sporting, Bilbao, and Zenit. The unseeded teams who can be drawn against the group, uh, Europa group winners uh, Anderlecht, Ajax, Liverpool, and Roma. Those. It's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun times. Fun times in Europa. The, the, th- the thing you want to win now. It's the best. Because remember, there's a Champions League spot on the line now. Thank God it means something. It's, it's sort of like the Hunger Games now. It, it used to mean nothing more than the uh, Major League Baseball All-Star Game. Yes. But now it means something. Now, now, Bud Seeley, it means something. This time it counts. This time it counts. You got your wish, Bud. You got your dying wish. Uh, but Seelig is dead, right? We can check on that. Des, Des, we can check on that. Okay, good. Des, right. while you're at it, see if uh, see if he maybe has a plot uh, bought right beside Set Bladder. Wow. 
Don't don't all the commissioners have like their own special cemetery in uh in Burn somewhere? I think so. Uh, I think Adele knows where his is, but might have misplaced it. Goodell might end up. Um, Goodell might end up in the Baltimore Bay somewhere, wire style, the way he's going. <laughs> Omar coming. Uh, let's move on to college. Omar's coming. Uh, actually, before we move on to college final, um, MLS final though, Wes. Uh, the LA Galaxy beat the New England Revolution two one in overtime as Robbie Keane scores the winning goal. Yeah, Landon Donovan is now dead. Robbie Keane, former Spurs, <laughs> former Liverpool striker. Yep. Oh, still man. got some. He still got some goals in him. Can we bring him back to Europe? He's so good. He came to America. Yep. Uh, Landon Donovan. You know, I, I've never. I've never been the Landon Donovan fan. Yeah. Uh, well, originally, the first time I was hearing about Landon Donovan back in the day, I did not care for the beautiful game at that point. So, of course, I made fun of him, as I made fun of everyone who uh, watched soccer and played soccer. Of course. Um, that, that was just part of my part of my youthful indiscretions. Um, and then, of course, Ed, you know, I, I, I do not hold allegiances to the United States of America. No, you do not. I've, uh, I've taken my passport and gone home to the motherland, and I set up roots down on, uh, down on Merseyside. So uh, I'm now a, a bitter uh, leftist England fan. Um, I'm a union guy, Ed. I'm a union guy. Yeah, yes, you are. Um, um, but, but, but for Diamond, um, awesome career. I will give him that. Uh, he is the top name uh, probably all-time now of United States soccer. Certainly. Um, also want to mention that the uh, audience ratings this year for the MLS Cup final way up this year. Um, Good. That's great. Uh, it does see an increase in ownership uh, – sorry, in viewership – uh, let's see if I can get the actual numbers here. Uh, ESPN registered an audience of 964,000 viewers for the MLS Cup final this past Sunday. Um, and if you combine them with Unimas and Univision Deportes, uh, the aggregate audience between the three networks is 46% higher than last year. That's that's not bad. My, I, I, somewhere Major League Baseball goes, what are we doing wrong? Yeah. I mean, don't they start all their championship games at 9.30 at night, too? Yes. No, I actually think they did uh, – they started at 3 or, <laughs> or like just after 3, which meant that since that was in L.A., that was like a noon start. <laughs> the stars were out. Oh, yes, they were. Um, also, real quick before we hit, jump into college football, uh, I want to give a shout-out to Internacional – the uh, Brazilian side, not the Italian side. Um, they were in third place. They they almost had their Aguero moment uh, this past sun, uh, weekend. They were tied with a team called Corinthians for third place, uh, but were ahead on the wins tiebreaker. Um, and the third place team, just like in England, gets an automatic berth into the uh, the South American version of the Champions League. Copa. So, Yes, Copa America. Um, so all they needed was to do better than Corinthians, much like City needed to do a couple years ago better than United to win the Barclays Premier League. Um, Inter fell down. They fell down 1-0 in about the 70th minute. 
and then they got a goal in the 80th minute, and then they got a goal in the 95th minute to win. And Corinthians won their match, so they had to have won that one. And uh, it was it was absolute pandemonium. The uh, the Brazilian Twitter feed for the squad was going nuts. Uh, I could barely understand it. All I just saw was goal, and I was like, "Oh, oh my God! It actually happened." I can't find any highlights of it. That would have been kind of cool. <laughs> but um, so so good on you guys. Since you know, I'll be down there in like a week. Actually, less than a week. Um, yeah, so, yeah. That's only in your dreams. Yes, it is. My fever dreams. All right, Wes, let's head. Oh, God, I hate you. Let's go to college football where it got off to a very auspicious start last Thursday for championship week as UCF, in the most mysterious of mysterious Jogos, defeats East Carolina 32-30. Despite East Carolina throwing up a 21 spot in the fourth quarter and having the ball in UCF territory with a minute 47 left and only one timeout for the Knights. Somehow, some way, UCF won. You you want do you want to, do you want to kvetch any or, or or is it all out of your system by now? On to the next thing, Ed. All righty. Uh, as we move to Friday night, um, seriously, great game. Friday night, uh, Maction took place as Northern Illinois drubbed Bowling Green 51-17, and Oregon also drubbed Arizona 51-13 in the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, also on Saturday, Marshall rallied to win their first conference USA ch- championship 26-23 over Louisiana Tech. Uh, TCU destroyed Iowa State 55-3. Oklahoma State stunned Oklahoma in in Norman 38-35 in overtime. Alabama ripped Missouri 42-13 in the SEC Championship game. Baylor edged Kansas State 38-27. Florida State somehow some way beat Georgia Tech 37-35 in the ACC Championship game. Ohio State eviscerated Wisconsin 59 nothing. Oh wait, Wisconsin just showed up. Oh, okay. They're in Indianapolis now. They're ready to play. Good good on you, Wisconsin. And Boise State uh, beats Fresno State 28-14 in the Mountain West final. And of course, the bigger news, Wes, was Ohio State getting that fourth playoff spot in the college football playoff. The rankings are Alabama, Oregon, FSU, Ohio State. So it will be Oregon, Florida State in the Rose Bowl January 1st and Ohio State, Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. Baylor and TCU were left out in the cold. Wes, your thoughts on the committee's job? Well, you know, the funny part to me was uh, two or three weeks ago, the committee said that, uh, you know, they wouldn't be recognizing whoever won the Big 12 as co-champions. That it wouldn't matter that they were co-champions. Mm-hmm. But then at the end of the day, when it came time to make the final vote, apparently Ohio State was given precedence because they were, quote, a conference champion. Oops. And the Big 12 had, quote, co-champions. Oops. Whoopsie. Uh, no, at the end of the day, Ohio State once again lubed up and slid in the back door of college football's uh, Pucker Danis. Yeah. 
And um, the only justice that can now happen is for Alabama to systematically dismantle him in New Orleans on January 4th, uh, once again causing Urban Meyer to have uh, heart palpitations and have to retire. Because um, of the salt that he took from the University of Alabama. We're all a little salty right now. Um, oh God, don't even get me started on Ohio State. That's such a joke. I will, I will, and I can't believe I'm saying this. I am going to agree with uh, Joey Galloway and Paul Feinbaum. What they said. Oh, yeah, very much, Paul. Um, on on the ESPN show that happened when they revealed these rankings. I don't totally disagree with the committee's choice of and who they put and where they put them. I just really, really, really hate and am confused by the process and the road we took to get here because it makes absolutely no sense. And I, I understand we, we it's a week-to-week thin, thing. The committee wipes the slate clean every week, and that's another point I want to get to. But I do not for the life of me understand how TCU can be third in the country on Tuesday and sixth in the country on set on Sunday. Because here's the thing. Everybody said, oh, well, Ohio State leaped them. Well, it wasn't just Ohio State that leapt them. It was Ohio State, Baylor, and Florida State. That's the one everybody seems to get forget. Florida State, who narrowly edges Georgia Tech in the ACC title game, again, somehow is now better than TCU by a, by a greater magnitude. And I just, I guess I, I don't understand why we even then have all these pre-polls if they don't matter for the final thing. Again, I understand you got to get Florida State in there. They're undefeated. I I guess I understand Ohio State getting in after they eviscerated Wisconsin. But, man, I, I don't see how the committee got out. If you put TCU third and they destroyed Ohio Iowa State just like they were supposed to do. I know Iowa State is crap. But mm-hmm. they, they destroyed them exactly yeah. like they were supposed to. Exactly. I, I don't know what they're and, supposed and, to do. And then Baylor beat a top 10 team. Yep. In what was supposed to be a dogfight, they won it. Yep. Um, it, and see, this whole, well, we just base it on week to week. To me, that that's ridiculous. I understand where you think you're coming from. Yeah. But no, the, the season needs to be put into perspective. Yep. And here, my friend, is where Ohio State does not belong in compared to any of the other five teams around them. Ohio State lost by two touchdowns at home to Virginia Tech. Yep. Yeah. Um, TCU's only loss was three points on the road to Baylor, yep. who was also sitting in that position. Um, Baylor's only loss was on the road to West Virginia who, while was not great this year, they were a whole hell of a lot better than Virginia Tech were. And, and I believe that was on the road as well, correct? Yes, that was on the road. So, you know, you, you know, uh, Alabama loses to a, an Ole Miss team that at that time was ranked in the top five in the country. Yep. Um, Oregon loses to an Arizona team that they then turn around and just eviscerated, and also an Arizona team that ended up in the top ten in the country. Yep. Those were those teams' losses. And, of course, Florida State, whatever you want to say, you know me, I'm down because they're undefeated. They're the Finn National Champs' longest streak in the country. They belong in. Mm-hmm. Ohio State lost by 14 points 
to an ACC bottom feeder at home. Yeah, and I, I think someone made the comment, well, uh, Ohio State played uh, nine bowl-eligible teams in their schedule, and I'm like, TCU played eight. The only reason that they didn't play a ninth one was because Ohio State got that ninth one by playing Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game. That's hey. it. If you if you if the Big Twelve had a title game, and I, I it's, that's what I'm saying, they it seems like they are trying to hold the fact that the Big Twelve doesn't have a title game against them, and that to me is garbage. It is absolute garbage. And here's here's my deal on the Big Ten. <clears throat> of course, you know I'm not a Big Ten fan by any means. Mm-hmm. The Big Ten, after non-conference season, mm-hmm. had nobody anywhere close to the top. Everyone, yeah. everyone lost in non-conference in the Big Ten. Yes, yes, that is true. Okay, that means playing other schools in the power conferences, they lost. Where did the Big Ten teams start moving back up the rankings when they were playing other Big Ten teams? I mean, Michigan State failed their only non-conference test. Ohio State failed their only non-conference test. Minnesota failed their non-conference test. Wisconsin failed their non-conference test. Mm -hmm. So how suddenly, because they, which proved to me that uh, they are more mediocre than the SEC West teams or the Big 12 teams or the Pac-12 teams that they lost to, how suddenly can you justify moving them back up just because they start beating up on each other and they start beating up on the Indianas and the Northwesterns, who, which, by the way, beat Wisconsin, uh, and the Purdue's of the world? How suddenly can you tell me that that's making them better when you're beating up on Michigan, which is a sack, is an absolute travesty of what they have been? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just it boggles my mind. It boggles my mind. You know, they talk about you have well, you have to schedule good non-conference. Well, okay, they they lost all of their non-conference games yeah. that were important. You know, Ohio State played one legitimate team in non-conference, mm-hmm. and they lost. Mm-hmm. And that legitimate team went six and six. Yeah, in the ACC, which you turn around and talk shit about as a bad conference. Well, and here's the other thing. You, you mentioned that. Here's TCU's non-conference schedule. It's only three games. It's Samford. Okay, Samford, you know, maybe not that great a team. They went, uh, they still go 8-4 and four on the year, I believe. Eight, or 7-4. and four. Uh, They had SMU. SMU, pretty terrible this year. Yeah, they were flaming garbage. But you know who their third team was in the non-conference? God, well, but it was a, I bet it was a Big Ten team. It was Minnesota, who they beat thirty to seven. Exactly. Who you know uh, gave Ohio State all kinds of problems. Yeah, yeah. Ohio State only beat them by a touchdown. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 absolutely bizarre. It's it's like the committee, which was supposed to be the ones to fix everything, because they can be objectionable and look at things. It's like you you totally forgot what the hell you were supposed to do just because you had this big deal where you could put Ohio State in. And here's the deal. Ohio State is going to draw more eyes than TCU or Baylor are. Yep. Because the casual observer, if they see Alabama versus TCU, they're not going to think twice about it. But you know what? If I see Alabama versus Ohio State, oh, buddy, I'm all in on that one. So I just found a uh, Yahoo article, a Yahoo Finance article. 
you want to know what uh, one person calculated would have most likely been the, the final BCS standings if we still we'll had see. it? Alabama would have been number one. Makes sense. Florida State would have been number two. Oregon would have been number three. TCU would have been number four. There you go. Now, yeah. granted, maybe if we still had the BCS, maybe it would have just been one versus two. But... I, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, that's all you can say. Is, uh, whatever. I mean, it's, it's crap. It's crap. Um, like I said, the only true justice will be if Alabama just goes ahead and runs roughshod on uh, Ohio State. Yeah. I also don't understand how then TCU also fell behind Baylor. I, I assume the only true thing could have been that they finally took in head-to-head which is something that they didn't do literally the entire lead up to this. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just it fit, it just felt like they changed the rules halfway yeah. through, just to just to do whatever they felt like doing. So again, I I I can sort of understand after after the pack or the Big Ten championship game why they put Ohio State in, but I I, I just. I hate it. I hate it for TCU. I hate it a little more. Uh, I hate it a little less for Baylor because I think they were just a little less deserving than TCU. But I, I just, again, I don't understand how you put a team third one week and sixth the next when they go out and absolutely destroy an opponent. Exactly. Do exactly what they're supposed to do to an opponent. Yeah. I, I just, I, I, I worry that you see it sometimes in college basketball. Mm-hmm. Where, where it seems like sometimes the committee from year to year changes exactly what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. But the difference there is we're talking about the sixty the 65th to the 72nd best teams in the country. So it's like, yeah, maybe they're changing a little bit. But at the end of the day, if you had probably just won more basketball games, you would have gotten in anyway. You know, at, at that at that low end, you really only have yourself to blame. At this high end, when it seems like the committee is changing it almost midstream, that's that's not fair. That's it's it's a shame. Yep, absolute shame. So I, I don't know if you if you've looked really at the bowl schedule. We're not going to go through all the games, but besides the two semifinals, is there a game that really sort of catches your eye and you really want to watch? Well, I mean, of course, for me. Um... <clears throat> You know uh, the Birmingham Bowl, of course. <laughs> whatever it's worth. Well, but but I mean, you think about it. Th- here's here's the interesting part about it. East Carolina always finds a way. It seems to get up for the big games. Mm-hmm. That's what they do best. They get up for big games. You know, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, the big teams on their schedule, they get up for. It's the temples of the world that <laughs> seem to uh, burst the bubble every year for East Carolina, um, and now they get a chance to. You know, somewhat in the eyes of many, redeem their season if they can go and beat the University of Florida. Now, granted, that's not the University of Florida that you know we grew up with, mm-hmm. but that's still the University of Florida. And also, here's another kicker, and I don't know if the people who uh, scheduled the bowl <laughs> game realized this. I was just about these to say these two teams opened the season with each other. Yep. Yeah. Uh, in the swamp in uh, in on the first weekend of the season in 2015, they opened the season with each other. So East Carolina going to get a chance to play, you know, one of the big biggest name programs in the country uh, twice yeah. uh, in the year 2015. 
And if East Carolina can go and get a big win in that bowl game, that would just be a massive step forward for that group. You know, a great way to end uh, Shane Carden and Justin Hardy's careers, as well as a few other uh, really good seniors. Um, and that's one I'll definitely, I'll definitely have my eye on. Um, <clears throat> Georgia's coming to Charlotte. Yeah. Playing the belt bowl. Um, so there's that. <laughs> yeah. If only, if only, um, if course, only someone wasn't getting back in from a flight that very afternoon. If only. Maybe should have <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, Charlotte, I thought about it. I, I really thought about it, but I'm I'm gonna be I would be uh, jet lagged, so it no. Jet lag's weak. But um anyway. It's a know, three so that, hour time zone difference I'm gonna be dealing with. I'm sorry. I'm gonna be leaving on Monday night at like ten o'clock and getting in around two. Which would tomato, really be like five. Tomato, tomato, Hush. Anyway. Uh, and uh, also I'll be keeping my eye on my hurricanes as we get to go down uh to uh, lovely tropical Shreveport to uh, take on the Gamecocks of South Carolina. So two more big name underachieving programs getting to play each other. <laughs> I am I'm going to be really looking out for that uh, Chick Fil A Peach Bowl on New Year's Eve. Uh, Ole Miss versus TCU. I'm really really interested to see how TCU is going to respond against a very good Ole Miss team who yeah. is coming off a win and basically ruined Mississippi State season. That's uh, right. Also, Mississippi State, uh, they're playing in the... Georgia Tech, yep, in Sun Life. That's right, Fiesta Bowl. No, that's the Orange Bowl. No, no, the Orange Bowl, Orange Bowl, I'm sorry. I was going to say, though, the Fiesta Bowl, I'm also interested in that. That's going to be Boise State, Arizona. That could be a very high-scoring game, and and we know how much Boise State loves the Fiesta Bowl. Oh, yeah, and of course, uh, then they get to play um, in Phoenix, you know, right near where Arizona getting to play in Phoenix, right near where the rival Arizona State would have loved to have been playing. So they kind of get to thumb uh, their noses at their rivals while they're there. Um, I'd tell you that the the big time, the New Year's Day bowl games are really, really solid this year. I'll give it to them. You know, I will also say this. It seems like, and I just might be picking out a few here, but it seems like there's quite a few home bowl games on the schedule. Uh, just looking out here, like you take, if I can find it here, I believe it's the, uh, where is it? If I can find real quick. Uh, yeah, the Foster Farms Bowl, Maryland versus Stanford in Santa Clara, California. I was about to say, God, I hope Stanford did not have to travel across the country to play Maryland. Oh, no, they do not. But you have one like that. You have Michigan State Baylor in the Cotton Bowl, which takes place in Arlington, Texas. So almost kind of a home game for Baylor a little bit. Uh, That's also, that's traditional to get one of those Texas teams in the Cotton Bowl. True. Um so yeah, that that those those just kind of caught my eye. And, uh, I think oh, I think the most interesting, uh, well, the, the best video released at least was um, Central Michigan finding out that they were going to the Bahamas Bowl. Oh, yeah. Brought to you by uh, Popeye's Chicken. Of course, that was an amazingly good video because it came down to literally, all right, guys, we're Central Michigan. We've been getting snowed on for two months. You're you've getting you've gotten the chance to play in a bowl game. You'll either be going to Detroit. <laughs> Or the Bahamas. <laughs> <laughs> and then they get the Bahamas and the place just erupts. And right there, the last vestige of hope for the city of Detroit was snuffed out. 
where one of their own does not want to come to Detroit. I gotta say that they're gonna their game is on noon on Christmas Eve, so that means they're basically gonna get to spend Christmas in the Bahamas. Good on you guys. I, I would rather spend any day. I would rather spend one rainy day in the Bahamas than spend a sunny day in Detroit. <laughs> oh, you're not kidding. Let's move on to Major League Baseball and some of the big-time deals that are going down right now. Uh, we can actually confirm this, I believe, just about an hour and a half ago. Uh, this, this has gone official. Uh, the Dodgers and Marlins are going to a... Six-player deal, I believe. D. Gordon, Dan Heron, both going to Miami in exchange for left-hander Andrew Haney, second baseman Enrique Hernandez, righty reliever Chris Hatcher, and catching prospect Austin Barnes. Uh, Miguel Rojas may also be going to um, to Miami in the deal. There is also speculation coming out that Dan Heron may actually retire, and if he does. The Dodgers will pay his salary for the Marlins. Well, the um, the the caveat to this trade is that um, apparently the Dodgers are very interested in making a move for Cole Hamill mm-hmm. of the uh, Philadelphia Phillies, mm-hmm. and any trade for Hamill would revolve around uh, prospects, especially pitching prospects. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are some speculating that the Dodgers are loading up. Uh, with some prospects to try to make a move for Cole Hamels. So um, while in the short term, you're kind of like, okay, why are they trading like a starting infielder for a bunch of guys I've never heard of? Um, This could all be part of a bigger picture move for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yep, and also speaking of the Dodgers, they also fill their gap at shortstop by getting another Philly. Jimmy Rollins is leaving Philadelphia after 15 years. He has been traded to the Dodgers. Um, They are, I believe, going to be getting him for... uh, I don't even see here who is in it. I don't know. We don't know. It's as uh, I'm looking... I'm checking this out on MLBTradeRumors.com, a very great website. The last update to this deal was at 7.03 tonight, um, and it just says that part of the trade could involve people in that Miami-LA uh, deal we just spoke about. So there's possibility you, they talked, you talked about them dealing him for Cole Hamels. Maybe, maybe this is all part of a bigger deal, too. Well, uh, apparently there is a report out there that the Phillies and Dodgers actually discussed Adding Hamels and Chase Utley to the Rollins deal. Um, well, I mean, the, you know the Dodgers. The Dodgers are definitely in a in win now mode. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> um, putting it mildly. They yeah. want to win tomorrow, not not even not even like the next season. They just they want the trophy handed them tomorrow, and I'm well, sure Chase well, Utley can definitely help them get knocked out of the NLCS again. Well, and of course, you know. The- <laughs> Who uh, they could use as a, uh, they could definitely use as trade bait if they wanted to. Um, I'm gonna tell you, you know, especially with moving um, D Gordon, you know, I mean, if you brought in Utley, I mean, you're sitting right there with a ready-made replacement at second base. If you brought in Chase Utley, mm-hmm. uh, and of course, money is not really that big of an issue for the Dodgers, so they could do they can do about whatever they want. They can just find. Uh, find Sir. some willing trade partners. Yeah, and just to quickly... The Phillies, oh, the Phillies are going into full-blown rebuilds. So. 
Oh, they have to. Um, some other deals. Oh, I mean, are... I don't want to hold on to big money guys. So. I mean, you need to get rid of Ryan Howard too. Um, some other deals. Uh, some involving the Cubs here. They're getting Miguel Montero, Jason Hamill, and unfortunately, Wes. They are getting John Lester, as he announced just last night that he will be getting a full no trade clause as part of his deal. Uh, if I can get the official numbers here. Uh, actually, Six years, $155 million. Thank you very much. Uh, he will also get a bonus of $30 million, uh, with $20 million up front and $10 million spread out over it. Uh, it has come out that the Red Sox final bid was for six years, $135 million. So it sucks, but man, that's that's what happens when you lowball somebody. That's... Well, and the problem is not only do the Red Sox lowball, and, and really I don't think 135 million was the lowball. The lowball was last yeah. offseason yes. when they yes. offered him 70 million. That's what I was referring to. Jesus yes, Christ, come on, guys. And the thing is, you know, he had made waves that I'm willing to sign for the hometown discount because I want to stay here. But I think they just showed him such a massive lack of that there that that was. Man, that that was tough. And I mean, you know, obviously as a Red Sox fan, I say, screw that, Lester, come back. Show blind loyalty. But, you know, at some point, you know, another thing for Lester, Lester, I mean, he, he won two World Series as a Boston Red Sox. How many guys can really say that? Mm-hmm. Now, how many guys could ever say that they won two World Series with the Red Sox and then went and won one with the Cubs? <laughs> so, you know, he obviously has a great uh, opportunity there. Um Six years for Lester is probably a little long. I think Lester is probably about a four-year pitcher left. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're the Cubs, if you want to go out and really make a move that uh, screams your intent from the heavens, uh, you know you're going to have to overpay, and and they did. But I think at just the age of thirty, I think Lester could still be pretty good if he takes care of himself, which I, I think he was, will. I thought it was thirty-two. Mm-mm, he's just thirty. Okay. Okay. Um, Red Sox have made a move now in response to not getting him. Yes. You? Oh, did you not know this yet? Oh no, uh, I, I th- I've heard a few things. I didn't know which which way you're uh, going. With that Red Sox going. have uh, poorly have a deal in place for Wade Miley, all star mm-hmm. pitcher from the Arizona Diamondbacks. Yep. Um, going the other way for the Red Sox uh, would be. <laughs> Will be the uh, staples of the uh, Adrian Gonzalez deal for the Red Sox, Ruby De La Rosa and Alan Webster. Yeah, going to uh, going to Arizona. Uh, Miley, like we say, coming off an All Star season with the uh, Diamondbacks, um, you know, has a, a lifetime ERA three point seven eight. Uh, All Star in twenty twelve, finished second in the National League Rookie of the Year voting that year, seven points behind Bryce Harper. So, um, you know, he's he, he's a good, solid left-handed pitcher. Um, certainly not John Lester, but a guy who maybe if he gets a little bit more run support, uh, could be a really good ball player maybe for the Red Sox. Uh, I just um, – what Ben Charrington has said, the Red Sox are not done putting together that rotation. I, I don't think they should be. Um, you want to talk about some – a group that's still shoring up their pitching staff. Chicago White Sox making a splash. They first sign David Robin, uh, David Robertson out from the Yankees to a good contract. And then they get Jeff Samarja from the Oakland Athletics in a deal. Uh, they trade him to Chicago. 
to going to Oakland will be righty Michael Noah. And, um, oh, I'm sorry, he's going from Oakland to Chicago. Going to Oakland will be infielder Marcus Simeon, righty Chris Bassett, Joseph Felge, and Rangel Ravello. Um, so, the Indians decided just to blow it all up, huh? Brandon Moss is gone. He's gone to the Indians. Samarge is gone. Uh, Hamels, is, Hamels is gone. Um, gone. Yeah. Rob, uh, um, third baseman Donaldson. Donaldson. Josh Donaldson is gone. Yeah, yeah, they're done. They're 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 going back to the old ways of Oakland. Um, for Samarge, kind of an interesting journey. He's going from the north side to the south side um, in less than about six months. Yeah. Uh, with a stop on uh, in NorCal on the way there. So here's one thing, I, I just to go really quickly back to the Cubs before we move on. You know, at the beginning of this whole sort of offseason, when they got Joe Madden, I said that if they could get a couple pitchers in this free agent market, they'd have the makings of something. Now, obviously, the big names were Lester, Scherzer, Hamels, and it, it turns out they've so far gotten Hamels, not Cole, but Jason Hamill. Um, they got Lester. All of a sudden, the Cubs are doing about what I kind of thought they need to do under Madden. All of a sudden, has Theo Epstein built, started to build a little bit of a powerhouse? The startings. Well, I mean, the only problem is with the Cubs. The Cubs are going to rely on a lot of guys who have not proven it over time in Major League Baseball. They've got a lot of guys with a ton of potential. Yes. And that and five bucks will buy you a Happy Meal these days. <laughs> I mean, you know, the way baseball has changed, everybody just about now has pride in their farm system. Everybody can kind of skew the numbers and say, hey, look how great our farm system is. You know, all we ever hear about is the Red Sox and the Dodgers and all these teams with these great farm systems. And then they're just bringing it. They're, they're kind of, yeah. hey, it's kind of like Manchester City and their, uh, and their youth setup, right? Yes. But, um, you know, for the Cubs – um, I think when Theo Epstein came in, he saw that, you know, when Epstein came to Boston, he just had to tweak some things. Mm-hmm. It, you know, that was a team. I mean, he had Manny. He had no more. He had good players around there. He tweaked. He found guys that he liked. And what did he do, Ed? He got Kurt Schilling. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was his great coup in Boston was signing Kurt Schilling and then finding David Ortiz on a scrap pile somewhere. <laughs> Um, called Minnesota. Yes. Uh, when he's come to Chicago, he's basically had to build from scratch because they didn't have anything. You know, um, uh, Starling Castro, they had him. That was a good one to build around. Obviously, you know, he walked into Samarja. Uh, but, you know, you had Carlos Zambrano. Um, you they did Alfonso get Anthony Rizzo. Yeah, exactly. You know, you had uh, Alfonso Soriano. You had shitty guys when you came in. And I think Cub fans were thinking that this was just the magic elixir. You know, we're getting Theo. Oh, we're going to be like the Red Sox now. It it never works that way. But over two years, the win total has come up each year. Um, And now I think they are getting closer to taking the next step. I don't know if this is going to be the year that they're really ready to challenge. But... With what they're doing, and if they keep doing very positive things, I expect the Cubs to be close at least to being a 500 team this year. Which for Chicago, that would be a great, that would be a great turnaround right now for them. Absolutely. 
All right, Wes, let us hit the zeitgeist really quick here. Uh, Time, Time Magazine has announced their person of the year. Uh, the eligible people were the Ferguson protesters, every single one of them. Uh, the, the Ebola caregivers, every single one of them. Vladimir Shirtless Putin, Taylor Swift, Jack Ma, who was an English teacher turned founder and CEO of Alibaba, the Chinese e-commerce giant, which debuted at $25 billion IPO. Tim Cook, the current head of Apple. Masood Barzani, the acting president of the Iraqi Kurdish region since 2005. And one, Roger Goodell. Now, Wes, I, didn't, I don't believe I actually, or actually, no, I did include in the, the link. So you know who won Times Person of the Year, don't you? I do, and I guess out of that group, you can't really complain too much. The Ebola caregivers. <laughs> okay. Sure. I mean, just Roger Goodell and the Ferguson protesters. To be fair to Time Magazine a little bit, A, this is usually a pretty shitty list for them. B, they're not usually going for best person of the year. They're yeah. usually going for most important or influential person slash storyline. I mean, I remember one time the person of the year was you, which was stupid. And I think one time it was like the entire millennial generation. And I just, it was stupid. So it's, you don't really take this too seriously, but it's this year, it's going to all the Ebola caregivers who are actually still doing stuff. Oh dear. Exactly. I mean, they're making a difference. You know, I love the, the Iraqi president. I mean, that guy, you know, but you talk you talk about a rebuilding job. <laughs> you you think Theo's got it tough. Jesus Christ, this guy had like no prospects. Yes. And no one to trade with. <laughs> um uh yes, I mean the Ebola caregivers, that is that's been massive. Of course, you know, just kind of my little government conspiracy theory. I don't have big ones. I'm not a black helicopter tinfoil on my head guy. Um but is is it just me or is it just a little funny that suddenly as soon as the elections were over, I literally don't know if I've heard the word Ebola more than about five times. Oh, that's because it's all done in America. That's why. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess that's it. Um, but yeah, after the elections, it, it was over. Yeah. Because, because, oh, oh, because okay. We, we've got our Congress. We've got our Senate. Okay, we're good. No more Ebola. No America's more. fine. Who cares about Africa? Well, I mean, obviously, we do for the Touré brothers, but still. Of course. And, and Nabil Bentaleb. Um, if you, uh, going through this list, and we're not going to actually rank them, but if you had to rank one of this these people slash groups at the bottom, who would you take? Um, well, can I, can I factor in that uh, I believe Roger Goodell may have been in the crowd at Ferguson? <laughs> sure. I mean, just oh, Ferguson, Ferguson, Ferguson. I'm I'm not getting back into that. I talked about that last week. Yes. I think you understand my feelings on it. Um, and it is a little different. Protest was one thing. The rioters were a secondary thing, I believe, and that's more where my anger and disgust goes toward is the rioters. Mm -hmm. Um. But I also, I just believe when it comes to protesting, and we see it here in North Carolina with a gentleman by the name of the Reverend William Barber, mm -hmm. there are people out there, William Barber, Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson, who literally make a living and a very good living on top of that 
by basically organizing protesters and getting people fired up about stuff and um, and just basically, you know, just trying to get people riled up. They make very good livings off of it. In the Rocky Mountain area, I think you know, I think you know a name that I'm thinking mm-hmm. <laughs> for someone who's exactly like that. Yeah. And those people, they, they make me sick. And I just, I think that that's why, I think that is a reason that Ferguson, I, I saw a lot of that in the Ferguson stuff. I just, I really did. Um, but anyway, so they're, they're just, they're far down my list. Roger Goodell is such a sack of trash. It's not funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, once they tried to cover up the entire Ray Rice deal, he should have been fired immediately. Yeah. Yeah, that that report that came out today, the the whole transcript, the six hundred plus pages. Yeah. Boof. I mean, yeah, how this guy's in charge of this corporation. Well, I mean, we know exactly why. Well, here, he's here's why I was gonna say, there, and there, he's I, for him. I I have an anecdote I'm going to tell you off podcast in case okay. someone does happen to listen, um, and and I get in trouble for it, which I can't imagine they would listen, but. <laughs> Just saying. Bosnia or Herzegovina? No, no, they do not. They actually live in North Carolina, unfortunately. <laughs> if it was, I wouldn't be afraid of somebody there. I love UBNH. I wouldn't say anything about you. That's our biggest uh, fan base. So. Yeah, I'm gonna actually go a different direction from you. I'm actually gonna put at the bottom uh, from this group. I'm gonna put Taylor Swift. Um, one of the reasons they give. <laughs> Wait, I have an actual semi-serious reason. One of the reasons they give in listing her here, uh, they say, Time says, who this year shook up the music industry by pulling her music from streaming service Spotify, which she believes should compensate artists more. To which I say... Slow clip. Good good for you, Swifty. You're a multi-million dollar platinum album recording pop star you're not a country star anymore you're now just a pop star that's the genre you're in now it is no trouble and no skin off your back to get off spotify it doesn't hurt you in the slightest. you don't need spotify's money so for you to take this righteous stand like it's some big sacrifice you're making to take your music off one streaming service give me a frigging break you want to really do something say i'm only going to sell cds i'm not going to give my music to itunes i'm not going to give my music to spotify i'm not even going to let my music be played on satellite radio you want to hear my stuff buy my cds that's it you want to make a statement do that because you have the money this this is stupid it is shameless and you know what a lot of artists who might somewhat agree with you and want to be paid more can't do you know why because they're not getting paid more there's a lot, and so you doing this means nothing. You are nothing, and you shouldn't be on the Time Music, or sorry, Time's Person of the Year list for that reason. If you want to honor her for something else, I can maybe get behind that. This garbage, garbage. It's like the committee putting Ohio State at four. It's garbage. I can maybe see your line of thinking. It's garbage. By the way, she might have taken off Spotify. She's still on RDI. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can I can listen to all of her music right now. So. I, I need I need that gif of the the black and white, very serious man who looks like he's at the opera saying "Bravo, Bravo." It's that's that's what I need. That's my reaction right now. 
dear. All right, Wes, I'll give you I'll give you a choice. We're gonna do one more Zeitgeist story before we hit the watch. I'll give you the choice though. Do you want to talk about the Pirate Bay getting shut down, or do you want to talk about the torture report that came out this week? Well, let me in on the torture report. I I, I read the link you sent me for the Pirate Bay thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just because I'm not quite as tech nerdy. I have no idea what the hell that is or what that was. I'll give okay. I'll give a really brief summary. Basically, <laughs> there's this. It was a it was a a gigantic file sharing site. Do you remember like LimeWire? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, downloaded many a song off of LimeWire. This was kind of like that in a website based form where you would download things called torrents, and you a lot of people downloaded television shows, movies, some music from there. But it was just this big, gigantic place where you could get just about anything you wanted and it got shut down over in sweden and this is now not a whole lot happened because i believe it's already gone up from a mirror because that's (laughs) what you do with data you back it up and so when one gets shut down three more pop up it's kind of like hydra um but yeah this this was kind of a big deal for that reason so because you were not the most tech savvy. It, it was a big story that Sweden uh, actually decided to go after them in Stockholm. And the, the place raid action took them down. But others have come back up. So yeah, if, if you, this happened in Sweden, did Zlatan order this? It was Zlatan. Zlatan said, why are people not downloading more gifts of my soccer goals? I am your god. It should not be the Pirate Bay. It is the Zlatan Bay. I agree with that. I think if they just... Change the name to Zlatan Bay, that'd be fun. Yes, and we still have ice movie, icefilms.info. Not or, that I would ever go there, because that's bad. All right, so if, if you know a little bit more about the torture stuff, do you want to just talk about that for a few minutes? Um, yeah, that was... Um, oh, man, I don't know. I, I think I have controversial views on this. Rectal feeding! Rectal feeding. I know, but but I saw I saw a gif or I saw a meme online, and um, it was uh, it was a picture from nine eleven, and it was of a man jumping out of the twin towers, falling to his death, and I think the meme was, um, "Do I really care how we got the information?" But we didn't. Yeah. But we and didn't get I, any information. I know. I know. Um, there, there is a line. There is a line. The Geneva Convention, just the Geneva Convention to start with, drew lines on things that you could and could not do in warfare, in prisoners of war. Um, what we did was wrong. Yeah. What we did was very wrong. Um, what our what our CIA who I, I by the way you know me I'm a I'm a big time you know supporter of all things military mm-hmm. um, of the CIA I think the CIA has done amazing things in their existence mm-hmm. um, I think unfortunately this is one that's going to really come out to bite them in the ass yeah. because now decisions are going to have to be made. That it's not just internal. It's not you know just going to affect the United States. These are decisions that are now going to affect like the world. Mm-hmm. And um, it's uh, it's a <laughs> buddy. I'm telling you, that's one job I'm glad I don't have today. Is uh, <laughs> the CIA at the moment? A couple of things kind of stood out to me about the report. One was again we didn't we didn't 
apparently get anything from this, which really yeah. sucks. Uh, another thing was one of the things, um, the fact that at one point they actually were holding two people there and tortured them for a full 28 hours, I believe it was, until they finally were convinced that these were actually our intelligence people. Like, we tortured our own intelligence people for over a day. And that's when you're like, oh, oh, somebody really, really messed up here. And it, it's just, it's so unsettling. And and I think, I read some of the internet comments, which were just, was just a bad idea on my part. Very, very. It, it is, reading internet comments is always a bad idea. Very I've, poor idea. Um, but I saw some people going like, yeah, so what, you know, we, we, if, if you didn't know about this, you, sh you shouldn't be shocked. You shouldn't be shocked that they were doing this. And I'm like, yeah, you know, that's not good. And then other people were trying to justify it with, well, you know, other people were doing it to us, you know, the, the Iraqis and the, or not the Iraqis, but the, name me a terrorist group, please. Cause I'm blanking at the moment. Uh, the Al Qaeda's. Sure. Them, they were doing stuff too. And it's like. So, so we're comparing and basing what we do off Al Qaeda now. That's, yeah, I mean, because of course our whole deal is like you know we're supposed to be, you know, you know America. We always say ourselves we're we're the white hat. We're the good you, guy. you know what this is. You know what this is. What is it? This is UNC's cheating scandal. <sighs> we hold ourselves to a higher standard. We we just, this is the America way. We're just better than you. Yeah, just, that's you it. Know. We might take a lump once in a while, but we do it the right way. American exceptionalism at work. Which I actually, I, I do I do have a lot of American exceptionalism. Oh, I do too. Um, because I do think we're better than everybody else, but still. Uh, but but this 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 drags us down to, you, you know, what is it? What is it like your mom? You know, your mom always said, uh, you know, um, don't lower yourself to somebody else's standards. Yep, yep. Or, or what they say, don't argue with an idiot because they'll just drag you down to their level. Yeah. I think we've we've kind of done that. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've been drugged down uh, on this on this particular thing. We've been drugged down to their level, and yeah. and then they, they they lied about it. They they oh, lied so. about it. The CIA. Mm. All right, Wes, we're gonna we're gonna move on now. And I am I'm gonna tell you what I'm going to cede all of my time from the watch. I'll just really quickly say, Agents of Shield. Sky is Daisy Johnson. She has earthquake powers. She's frigging cool. God, this show it has gotten so much better from season one. Mid-season finale for me. So, Wes, I cede the rest of the time to you. I know you had a very emotional... I, I imagine you're going to talk about the finale of Sons of Anarchy. I can't imagine something else coming up. Oh, I was, I was, I've just been watching Brickleberry reruns all week, but okay. <laughs> of course you have. Of course I have. Um... Well, let's talk about Sports Center. That's a really good show. Kenny Main had a really good bit yesterday uh, about the whole uh, Jake Laser controversy. I'll send you that later. Anyway, okay. Kenny Main's the saving grace. Yes. Um, man, Sons of Anarchy. Seven years in the books, Ed, and uh, you know the show ended uh, by far the the series finale. As most series finales never turn out to be, it was not the best one. Mm -hmm. Um, <clears throat> really the last two episodes leading up to this were probably two of the best episodes the show ever did. If not the two best episodes, mm -hmm. this one was more about, um, Jackson Taylor 
because we found out the last episode that um, he he was going to die at the hands of the club for sins that he had committed. He was going to die. Um, and when that happened, it was almost as if a weight was just kind of lifted off his shoulders. Like, you know, well, okay, I have an in there. There is an end game. I know what's going to happen. So now I can do, I can do what I need to do to save my club and to put us in a good place. I can do it with a clear conscience because I just know I'm going to die anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've, I've, I've come to peace the fact that I'm a criminal, that I'm not a good person. I've come to peace with that. So I'm going to do what I've got to do now just to try to help my friends before I go. So this episode, um, basically ties up, ties up the loose ends that the club has. Um, Jack's, uh, put some really, really nice hits on a few guys, uh, including the, uh, the, uh, horrible, horrible August marks who was, uh, for the last season, their biggest enemy, um, you know, business was taken care of. Um, you know, he got his kids out of town, hopefully out of the future of their life. Um, and then Ed, the show ended, of course, folks, I definitely, you know, recommend go back, go to Netflix, start from season one and take the journey. Cause it's a fantastic journey. Uh, just like I said, the season they go to Ireland, just, <laughs> just hold on. You'll get through it. <laughs> You'll get through it. It's it's there. It happens. After that, you don't really you know, it doesn't have much bearing on what happens in the future, but it's there. Um, Jackson and uh, spoiler alert. I'm gonna give you the five countdown. Spoiler alert to how the entire series ends. Okay, I'll give you. Let's give everybody two minutes. We I give you Wes. I will give you 120 seconds to do spoilers, and I will start. You let me get a timer here. Um. Now, don't even need that much time, my man. What's going to happen? Jacks Teller, um, the club does have to come down. His guys, his his charter in the club, they uh, they have to come down with the vote to kill Jackson. Uh, in the scene where you think it's going to happen, um, they end up uh, playing it off, and uh, they give Jackson the opportunity to uh, go out the way he wants to. Jackson rides his father's bike, which uh, 20, 30 years before 20, 1994. Okay, 20 years before. Excuse my math, folks. It's not my strong suit. Uh, his dad had martyred himself for the club to try to bring change around, uh, had run his motorcycle into the front of a uh, semi, and uh, – Jackson does the same thing while having an epic um, run from the police. Uh, he drifts his bike into an oncoming tractor trailer driven by Michael Chiklis. Okay. Remember, Kirk Sutter wrote The Shield. Yeah. So Michael Chiklis had a very small cameo role in wow. the series. And um, the series ends with Jackson Taylor riding his bike directly into uh, into this tractor trailer. Therefore, killing himself, the ultimate sacrifice for his club, but also to uh, hopefully provide a good future for his sons. Um, a very, Kurt Sutter said, I'm not going to call it a happy ending, but it was a satisfying ending. And it was. Um, there were a few things, you know, I thought they could have done a little differently. It was not what you would call a shock ending. It's This wasn't, you know, it wasn't Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. 
kind of ending. It was a good, solid ending to the show. Um, and that, that will end my spoiler. So welcome back, everybody. Wow. Literally, yeah, right you literally hit it perfect. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Wes, I'm going to give you a pro tip. You did really well there. Just the tip. Just the tip. Um, so, yeah, great show. Really enjoyed it. Um, Kurt Sutter did a fantastic job. Um, to me, it's one of the better shows that I've ever gone through. Uh, like I said, seven seasons. It has its ups. It has its downs. But overall, the acting's really good. The action's good. The storyline is fantastic. And uh, satisfying in. That's all you can really ask for. Um so Wes, as we hit the satisfying end of this podcast, let's get so raw. And now we go to some unsatisfaction because it was <laughs> crap raw Monday night. Uh, TLC, Tables, Ladders, and Chairs coming up this Sunday um, on the WWE Network. If you want to see it, $9.99 a month. Uh, all it takes so you can get every single, I guess they still call them pay-per-views, whatever. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Um, the big one, well, the big one for me is going to be the TLC match, the one true tables, ladders, and chairs match uh, between Bray Wyatt and Dean Ambrose, mm-hmm. who I happened to see in person on Sunday night in Greenville, North Carolina. Yes, you did. Um, we'll bitch about that another time. I don't want to get into it. <laughs> yeah. There's not enough time to get into it now. We'll bitch about that later. Um, Wyatt and Ambrose, are, uh, yeah, that's going to be a big one. John Cena versus Seth Rollins. I'm really, really, really hoping, because you know what a big Seth Rollins fan I am. Mm-hmm. I'm really hoping that this is not going to lead to Rollins just getting his ass kicked for the next three months by John Cena, because once again, we have to make John Cena like fucking Superman. Yep. God. It's John a storyline. It's a storyline. God, it is. And don't get me wrong, John Cena's a great guy. He's a good guy. I mean, you know, he's, he's one of those you tell your kids, you know, hey, listen to him and do what he says. But he's so freaking milk toast boring. He's a loyal employee of the company. Hustle, loyalty, respect. John Cena. Uh, other than that, I mean, there'll be some decent matches, but those are the two, to me, those are the two big ones to keep your eye on at TLC. Uh, this is kind of a garbage pay-per-view usually. Um, they do the tables, ladders, and chairs gimmick just to add some fun to it, some uh, some action but next, Ed, we begin the six-week build-up to the Royal Rumble. And, Ed, after the Royal Rumble, it is officially WrestleMania season. Fantastic. Um, I am going to – I am actually got an email for you here. I am going to be sending you a video. Uh, you you had planned to get the uh, the WWE 2K15 game, right? Um, most likely. I'll All probably right. get it for the boy for Christmas. I'm, uh, I'm sending you a link right now to some – to a group of – to a group of guys, the, uh, the the super best friends. We we like to uh, we like to talk about them, or I like to talk about them. They played through the WWE 2K15 for for one of their uh, little specials, and I actually sent you the wrong video. I'm sorry. I'm I'm gonna have to. I sent you the preview of the 43 second preview. But one thing I do want to point out, and they, this came after they actually made the video. There's a there's a texture importer for this game, uh, where you can import any texture you want. Uh-huh. Apparently, some very enterprising young people out there decided I will texture scan Chris Benoit's face. Yes, I heard about and this. And there are pages upon pages of of created Chris Benoit's available to download. But but 
the WWE saw that and started handing out bans to yep. anyone who uploads a Chris Benoit. Yep, that's right. So, that's right. so screw you. However, in the video I'm trying to get you now, they do set up a, a six-way match of all Benoits. And Ed, it did achieve your dream of, for one night at least, bringing back Benoit. <sighs> Oh, yes. I, I was so... You should have seen me when I was watching that video. I was getting so hype. So marked, man. you so marked. Oh, I'm such a mark for Benoit. I don't know why we can't bring him back. Um, if you want to talk about uh, how much you want to bring back Benoit, uh, you can tweet at us and show your support at All New Sports Show or Wes, they can get you at. Uh, at Wes Bradshaw 21. I am at Edward Green on Facebook. We are All New Sports Show, Instagram as well. YouTube, our channel is The All New Sports Show. Email us, allnewsportshow at gmail.com or plain old mail, 1701 Sunset Avenue, Suite 201, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, 27804. Thanks to podbean.com for hosting our files, and you can listen to us on there, as well as the iTunes Music Store and Stitcher Radio. Um... So here's what's going to happen. We're going on international break. Oh, holiday. Yes, we're going on holiday. So for the next two weeks, you're going to hear two pre-recorded episodes. So if something crazy happens and you don't hear us talking about it for the next two weeks, that's why. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, guys. <laughs> um, one of the episodes will actually be an interview with my mother, who is Brazilian. She will be giving us... Uh, her thoughts on uh, the soccer revolution that is taking place here in the United States, as well as she was actually in Brazil for the World Cup last year. So she can give us a firsthand recount of that, uh, as well as what it's like to pull for the Selecao and, and all the stuff that goes with it. Uh, and then another episode we're going to do, I believe, is going to be, we still might, we, we might change this, who knows, but it might just be one of our actual all-new sports show Christmas specials. The spectacular. The spectacular. <laughs> um, that we'll get and uh, and do that in audio form. So there won't be any swearing on that one if we decide to do it. Um, but there will be. We'll also talk a lot more soccer than we normally would on the show. So uh, that's what's going to be the next two weeks, and then after that, Wes, we probably need to talk. Are we going to do a New Year's Eve podcast? Brother, my wife's gonna be at work. I'm gonna be sitting at home with the kids. I've got nothing else to do. Oh, this this will be great. We're gonna be the first podcast of the new year, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, <laughs> because neither of us have shit to do on New Year's Eve because we're so cool. Basically, you're you're you know what? It's true. It's true. It's not false. Oh, so anyway, that's it's gonna be coming up the next couple weeks. Uh, enjoy the Barclays Premier League as it gets into the madness. That is the winter holiday scheduling where there's about five games a week. Uh, it gets kind of nuts. Also, we're not going to talk about it, but at uh, FA Cup round three draw was announced this week. Um, we got Burnley away. I don't even remember. Who'd, who'd you get? Um, Wimbledon? Wimbledon, yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. I think it's that infield. I might be wrong. So you can tell how much attention we're paying to this one. Um, so, but now officially we are both now in four competitions. Oh God. Crap. Not for long, Liverpool. Not for long. 
Not for long spurs either. But anyway, that is going to do it for us here on episode 32 of the Only Sports Show, the podcast. Uh, guys, thank you so much. Um, honestly, from producer Des, that's Wes Bradshaw. I'm Edward Green. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, this entire, I'll call it 60% of a year we've been doing this now. Um, enjoy your holidays. Be safe. Um, enjoy Christmas. Uh, or whatever holiday you celebrate, whether it's Kwanzaa or Hanukkah or whatever. Uh, just have an awesome holiday season. Enjoy time uh, off Happy work. Hanukkah, Roger Bennett. Yeah. Well, happy Hanukkah, Rog. We love you, Rog. Um, but seriously, thank you guys for joining us here. And uh, we'll see you live um, back in the new year in 2015. Will be our ne- will be when our next live podcast is published. So from everyone here at the all-new sports show, from our home to yours, Uh, Merry Christmas, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Good night, Chad. There it is. There it is. Not, not, the, the Uganda streak is broken. Good night, Chad. Good night, Chad. I hope, I hope there's not an actual Chad. We mean the country.